So just uh, pray with me now. Father, as you've gathered us here this morning, I don't know every heart, but you do. You know every discouragement, every anxiety, every fear, every trepidation. And Lord, you still love us and take us as we are. Lord, you know there's wandering hearts here this morning. You know there are hearts here that have professed but choose to wander. But thank you as we sing, Lord, that you will bring us home. Thank you that we will stand before you face to face, before our Savior. And though we feel, we feel like we're slipping, you're holding us. And for that, we're thankful. We're thankful that our great high priest sympathizes with every single person here and that we can come to your throne of grace as we are. Will you be with us now through your Holy Spirit and may the power of your word, not my words, but your word, the one that the Lord Jesus said and, and prayed, sanctify them by your truth, by your word, for your word is truth. May that be the reality here this morning for every person here and anyone that doesn't know you, young or old, that they may come to put their faith and trust in the only one that we just sang about, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Psalm 146, I'm going to read this here this morning. wanted to be in our hearts and our minds as we, as we begin. Psalm 146, perhaps a familiar psalm for many of you, or it is for me, but I think in the times that we find ourselves in, hopefully we'll find comfort and grace and mercy in, in, in this psalm that's written for us, for our benefit. says, the psalmist writes, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, who, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Now, this psalm perhaps is familiar because I 
gone over it. I've called, I, I preached on it before. And for us this morning, I think it's very telling in the times that we find ourselves. And I've titled this message, Where is Your Trust? If you watch or read headlines at any point or Twitter, right, and you see what's trending, maybe you found out that the Federal Housing Authority put a new rule that those that have a good credit score will pay a little bit more for their mortgage. Why? To subsidize those high-risk loans of people that can't really afford their mortgage. So in other words, those that have been responsible somehow get penalized so that those that are having harder times paying may afford a home. Think of that for a second. These are the times that we live in. Well, but I'm not buying a home, so it really doesn't pertain to me. Okay, fair enough. What about AI? Artificial intelligence. You read about this and all the waves that that's making, and, and you start seeing, what is this artificial, artificial intelligence? Sounds very good. Get on ChatGPT, and you can put anything you want on there, and you can get, you can get a sermon, practically, if you want. You can put the verse and tell, tell the AI, please, write up a sermon for me, and it'll give you the outline. That's how crazy it is. And yes, like anything, even the iPhone and the smartphones were a benefit. And now we see all the, now we have these mobile devices that distract us, right? That we don't know what to do with. And all the downside that comes with technology. We see only the benefits and we just run with it. And everybody's, this is a new uh, race to the moon, right? Who's the first one to land to the moon? Well, AI is the same way. Who's the first one to create the AI that's going to benefit everybody? So, that's what's happening now. Oh, but I'm not interested in AI. Okay, fine. Finance. Financial pundits. Report recently came out. New York. This is Bloomberg. Saying that you can make $100,000. And in New York, after you take away taxes, and after you factor in the cost of living, what you're really making is about $36,000. That's not my report. That's Bloomberg. So if you really think about it, oh, remember the days when everybody's like, oh, I want to make six figures. Six figures is meaningless today. You can make $100,000 and it's what? It's like equivalent to you making about 50. doesn't mean anything. Yeah, you're, you're, you're making six figures, but everything else has also gone up, so it's a wash. Probably even worse than a wash. So this is the times that we're living in, and as people, it's hard for us to, to take all this in and make sense of it, right? For us that are in the Lord, we fret. There's times that I go up and you're like wondering, you know, well, insurance crisis, right? Uh, all these insurance companies that now some of you probably got notices in your mail that your insurance company is not going to renew you. And now you have to go to Citizens, but Citizens is going to go ahead and jack up the prices in, in, in July to 14, uh, another increase 14%. So these are the times that we live in. And you're thinking, well, where am I going to get my insurance? Now I'm paying double for my home insurance. These are the realities that we live in. And so the question remains, where is your trust? Where is your trust? Where is my trust? This is not just for you, it's for me. 
Because as Christians, we, we think, right, it's, 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 it's beautiful to look at these things and say, yeah, you know, my trust is in the Lord until, until I'm put through the grinder. My trust is in the Lord when everything's going well and I got the promotion I wanted. But now they tell me, you know what, I got to pay our, just like our brother Victor right now going through the, the child as, as a CFO and companies all over, having to figure out and manage budgets with what you have. It's tough. So where is your trust? Parents, where do you teach and model for your children? Let me rephrase it. Parents, do your children look at you and do they see their parents putting their faith and trust in none other than Jesus? That's the question that we all have to face, that we have to ask ourselves. Not just, are you doing what you have to do? Yeah, I can tell my children, hey, trust Jesus, put your faith and trust in him. But do they see that in me? Do, I, do they see that in me? Co-workers, you that, that work in the office, I, don't, I have a full-time job, so I know. I'm not speaking out of theory. I'm not speaking theoretical. I have these conversations in the office. I hear the conversations. They run Edwin. They, all of us, those, those that preach here have full-time jobs. And you hear these conversations, and, and I'm sure they run, perhaps a little bit more, working in a bank. People fretting. Where's my money going to go? What's going to happen to my investment stock? My retirement. What do you speak to your coworkers when they start fretting? Let me rephrase it. When they're fretting, do they see you with a peace that surpasses all understanding? Not that you're not being anxious or fearful, because I'm sure all of us are at some level, but that you always come back to the gospel, that you can speak about Christ, that you can speak to your soul as a psalmist wrote, right? And that's where we find, and hopefully this, this, this message of, of the psalm that, we, that we're writing here is talking about. So my outline here is, is pretty uh, straightforward. It's three it's a call to worship. It's a call to full dependency on God. And three, the silver lining. You know what a silver lining is, right? The little ray, that, that light at the end of the tunnel. This is it, the good news for the heart that trusts in the Lord. For the, the good news for the heart that trusts in the Lord. And that will be verses 8 through 10. So let us look at the first point, which is verses 1 and 2. A command to worship. Now, I'm not preaching this because somehow I know Edwin discussed worship a couple weeks ago, and so I want to be upfront. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong that he said, and therefore I have to preach on worship again because our brother missed or didn't. No, no, no. I'm doing this because, again, the heart is trust. Where is our trust? And so I may touch, and some points may overlap, but it is what it is because this is where the text takes us. And so these, these last five Psalms, 146 through 150, are known as the Hallel. You've heard me say that before. It's a hallelujah, right? This is what you're saying. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You hear our brother Tony say it very frequently. Hallelujah. That's what it means. Praise the Lord. You can put on your text messages, PTL. What you're really saying is hallelujah. Praise the Lord for that, right? And worship. If you were here in Sunday school at any point, we're going on the Great Commission, and we're studying that. The very thing he said is, and it's in my notes, so by, by providence, it's, it's there. We're all born worshipers. 
Your children are born worshipers. Little kids, you think you're not worshiping, you are. You're worshiping something. So all of us are born worshipers. There's no doubt about that. The question that we always have to ask is, what is our worship? Because if we are worshipers by default, then who are we worshiping or what are we worshiping? And so the first reality that we see here in this text in the first two verses is the reality that there, there can be misplaced worship. Finding the object of worship is not the problem. It's like once you identify it, is it the correct one? Is that the correct object of worship? And the, by and large, the psalmist is not interested in just worship for worship's sake. You see what I'm saying? All of you, this is the charismatic side, right? They can go ahead and, and worship and raise their hands during, during the singing. And this side is the more stoic, not, I'm not pulling fallen on you, it's just, um, that's right, but, oh, well, they, 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 their worship must be more real, right? It must be more intentional. No, no, no. It's not the way it works. Because our worship is not just what we do here. Worship is what you're going to do later on this afternoon. Worship is what you're going to do tomorrow when you get into the office and you have a couple of hot potatoes. As soon as you, you haven't even opened the door to your office and you already have phone going off the hook. Will you worship? What will you worship? So finding the correct object. So it's meaningful worship. It's purposeful worship. So it's more than just that. I love it because when you, when you look at currency, I know more, everything with now these phones and you just pay and everything's tap and go, Apple Pay and you know, Samsung Pay, whatever, Google Pay, everybody taps and we really don't see the actual notes, the dollar bills and the 20s, right? But every coin, every currency here on the, in, in the U.S. has what on it? In God, we trust. In God, we trust. But do we? Because when the moments get tough, we run to our bank account. We run to the things that we understand. And Victor said it here this morning. The things that we love. The things that we trust. Those are the ones that we're going to go after. And that's, and that's going to be the actual thing. That, that it's the litmus test. Is your thing to run to the Lord first? Or is your first default reaction, let me run to my bank account to resolve this. Let me run to our sister Jenny. I know you know, shared her testimony a couple weeks ago. For years, her testimony was before coming to know the Lord and her accolades and all the things that she could obtain. And for many of you, it was the same thing. All the things that we can achieve and all the things that we can hoard and, and, and muster up and, and all the letters that after our last name that we can put on our email signature. That's where we find our comfort, right? That people can say, I'm... MBA and such and such certified and such and such certified. When you find out that your boss is going to call you in and tell you, hey, wouldn't have to let you go. Doesn't matter how many letters you have after your name at the end of the day. But to those that are in Christ and who hope in the Lord, their comfort is in Him that He will provide. But how do you get there? How do you get there? And I'm not saying that this is easy stuff to, to digest. I know it's not. But I've been there. I've been there, and I know it's not easy. I, too, have been let go. I, too, know what it is to lose a job and have your, 
your, your, your salary cut in half and have to wonder, where am, how am I going to make ends meet? I've been there. So I'm not speaking theoretical. So our worship can be misplaced. So if that's a reality, then how do we find the correct object of worship? And he says, praise the Lord. He says, praise the Lord. But then he goes on to remind us, oh, praise the Lord. Who? All you saints? Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. It has to start with me. It has to start with you. You have to first settle it in your heart, as Peter said. Set apart Christ as Lord. Is he the Lord? Is he the governor? Is he the captain of your soul? In every regard. Or is he only the captain of your soul for the things that you want him to be the captain for? And for all other else, I can handle it. Keep your hands off, Jesus. I got this. Until I botch it. So we have to find that that's where he goes. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. I'm speaking. It's been said. You've heard it from other preachers. Now repeat it. No one speaks more to you than you do. You speak more to yourself. And you're not crazy for doing so because everybody here does it. All of you speak to yourself. In that car, you're speaking to yourself on that commute of two hours to to Brickle through Miami. You're speaking to yourself. What do you tell your soul? What do you recall? What do you remind yourself of? Your bank account? Ah, I got enough in the bank. It's cool. Or do you recall the promises of the Lord? That's our object. Why? We need to remind ourselves because we forget. We're all, at some level, forgetful people. That's why Psalm 103, you look at Psalm 103, one, uh, verses 1 through 4, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and, uh, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Forget not. Why? Because you're not just prone to wander, you're also prone to forget. And so am I. Will you remember all his benefits tomorrow in the office or at the hospital when you're dealing with those patients? Who forgives all your iniquity? That's the first benefit that he forgave us, a holy God forgiving sinners. That alone, if you never bless me ever again with anything else, that alone should be the very reason to worship him. If he never gives me one other thing that I want in my desire for my heart, right there, you have forgiven all my iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. That's the psalmist. See, we need to be mindful of that. And not only the object of our worship, but we also need to consider our worship of God is not temporary, beloved. This is not something you turn on and you turn off. What did Paul write to the Romans? Your entire life is worship. Your entire life, your entire being, not just with your mouth, not just with your hands, but with your attitude, with your heart. The things that nobody else knows that are going on in your mind right now. 
Only the Lord knows. Are your thoughts right now sitting where you are, worshiping Him? Because if we're not, then what are we doing? Our worship, there's nothing. Worship Him, period, full stop. Not when it's convenient, not when it's easy. Worship Him. Bless His name in all circumstances. For how long? For as long as we live. As long as you have breath. And should the Lord, and should the Lord make me mute, where I can never speak another word, still will my heart worship Him. Because the Lord is not, worship is not just what comes out of our mouth. Yes, we speak what's in the abundance of our heart. But even the Lord said, even if no one shall worship me, these stones, even those will cry out. Because all creation understands who is in charge. All of creation understands who its maker is. Do you? Do I? Do you understand who your maker is? Do you understand what he did for you? Some of you may, I'm not sure... I really know where you're going with this. And, that, and I can understand that because these things are foolishness. It's foreign. It's gibberish to those that are not in Christ. I get it. That's why we prayed here in the morning. May the Lord open your heart and your eyes. Because I have no power to do so. I can't take the scales off your eyes. Only the Holy Spirit can. And so I pray that that would be the case for you. Psalm 63, David wrote, So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. Again, the lifting up of the hands is not going to cause you to worship. The lifting up of the hands is a response to what's already in your heart. And not only is the object of our worship, and not only is our worship of God not just temporary, that it's not temporary, it's permanent, as long as we live, worship is a matter of the will. What do you mean by that? I can will myself to worship? Yes. Because the Lord knows that not all of you were excited to come here this morning. I suspect that a lot of you preferred to stay home. I come because I, I enjoy that there's no traffic. It's one of the few times and then uh, gives me a, a reference point and then I'm miserable tomorrow heading in that traffic. But you, let's be honest. You probably checked your social, your, your social media and, and you've seen all your friends already, you know, getting the coolers and getting ready to go to the beach. And there they are, frolicking in the sand. And here you are worshiping in this sanctuary, this gathering hall. Seems miserable, does it? But is it? Because it's a matter of the will. The Lord wills in you both to work for his good pleasure so we need to be mindful of that both to do and to will for his good pleasure and so he's working that in us you know how i also know it's a matter of the will remember the words of job after everything was ravished and everything was taken away what did he say the lord gives and the lord takes blessed be the name of the lord 
you don't go through life thinking you're worshiping and, 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 and conclude at that point unless you understand that worship, genuine worship, is being able to get to that point to say with Job, the Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be your name. No matter what you do to me, though you slay me, still will I worship you. Though you take everything away, still will I worship you. And so not only is, do we have a command to worship, but the second point is a call to full dependency on God. Verses 3 through 6. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plants perish. Hmm. We're just saying it here and providentially. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Guess what? That's not new. You're in good company. Adam, Eve, just look back. They wandered. Right? And so you're in good company. Well, superficially in the sense that you're not the only one that feels like you're wandering. And at times it could feel that way. And I'm very mindful of that. Mankind has always been looking to everything else and everyone else for its joy, for its peace, for its tranquility. And yet the, un- the, 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 the unfortunate part is that it's not going to be found in creation. It's not going to be found in creation. And so that is why we need to be mindful that it's not uncommon for us to take our eyes off the Lord, is it? I'm sure many of you have taken your eyes off the Lord this, uh, this week. Some of you have even taken your eyes off the Lord this morning. And you're sitting here wondering, all right, you know, here I am, grudgingly, I came, you know, out of duty. But here I am. And the Lord will bless and reward that. Because there's many that start well, but don't finish well. There's many that start gun-ho. Edwin has shared many stories from all this pulpit. Even the one that led him to Christ, other people in the faith that have gone with him. I myself, with my wife, just recently finding out Similar stories of people that we used to fellowship with. Not so, not doing so well in the faith. It's sad. And there's many that start well. But there's few that finish well. Don't finish the race that way. Keep looking to your Savior. Keep looking to Him. Keep your eyes on Him. That's Hebrews 12. And we know the result. Edwin spoke about it, so I'm not going to rehash it. But what happened at Mount Sinai? That golden calf, immediately they're looking to something else. Within, it didn't take anything. And we're no different. So if we're not careful, if we don't guard our hearts, that's where we're going to end up too. But the Lord will bring us back because He's a faithful shepherd. The Lord Jesus knows us, and He's fully aware that your heart and mine are prone to wander. That is why he's a good shepherd. That's why he leaves the 99 to go after that one that's stuck in the ditch. The one that's wounded. The one that's scared. The one that's frail. Because that's the shepherd that you and I have. Ever since Genesis 3, we've had political, religious, societal, economic divisions. It hasn't changed. 
I mean, just think of all the stuff that we have here, even within Christianity and Christendom, without going too far into all those, those fears. This is what we're dealing with. That's why we have to be mindful that there's only two roads, beloved. The one to destruction and the one to salvation. One is wide and one is narrow. One is found very easily, the one to destruction, and the one that's narrow, few find it. Pray that the Lord shows you the narrow road, that He puts you on that narrow road. Children, this is for you as well. Don't wait until I fully understand and I have all my ducks in a row because the thief on the cross did not have all his ducks in a row. And he didn't know one single doctrine that we speak of today. And when you talk to him in heaven, you can ask him, so, what's your soteriology? You think he's going to respond to you? I mean, now he knows because he's seen a Savior. But he can't tell you all the things that, that we uphold and hold very high value to the, the, these doctrines. He just knew one thing, that the man there had done nothing wrong. And he put his faith and trust in him. That's the basic truth. That's the gospel. Not I, but you. I'm the one that deserves punishment. I'm the one that deserves that, but you took that for me. See, our cultural issues today is that we look to governments. We look to the authorities. We look to all those seats of government to go ahead and save us and to figure out how they're going to go ahead and bail us out. Beloved, your, your government authorities, your local authorities, not even Ron DeSantis, whether you like him or not, was meant to be your refuge. Not Trump. Not Biden, none of them. Because the only one that was meant to be the refuge of the bride of Christ is Christ. That's why she's the bride of Christ, not the bride of the government, not the bride of whatever political group you belong to or affiliate yourself with. The bride of Christ belongs to Christ, and therefore, He is our refuge. And that's who we look to. For his glory, because he's our head. Not DeSantis. Not Trump. Not, ba- not Biden. Or anyone else for that matter. Whoever decides to run in the elections. Our lips, with our lips we say we trust and believe in God, but many times with our actions we communicate otherwise. Our conversations. In Jeremiah 17.5, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart turns away from the Lord. Genesis 3.19, For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. That's the end of every person here. You will be six feet underground. At some point in your life, not too long from now, I think about it, my, my kids constantly troll me, and they're like, oh, Dad, man, you're old. Can't jump anymore. Can't do this, can't do that. Even though I beat my son in a race. Not too long ago. But I only did it three times, and after that, I pulled a muscle. But, uh, but it, was, it was good, because it's humbling. When you feel that, that muscle pull, you realize you're not that young anymore. And if the Lord allows me to live to 40, excuse me, to 80, I only, I only have, what, 
38 more years left. The window, the window dwindles quickly, and when you put things in perspective, I know for you, young people, you think, man, I have years ahead. Years ahead. But then you read reports of, of people, you know, going on vacation and having their, their child shot. Never in a million years would you think that I'm going on a vacation to lose a family member. Not in a million years. And here you are returning, but with one of your family members in a coffin. Find your refuge in Christ. Parents, lead your children. Grandparents, lead your grandchildren to the cross. Spend every moment that you can in the car ride, in... Walking them to the classroom, whatever it is, reminding them of Christ. Look to Him. Not to your teacher, not to your professor, not even to your own parents. Look to Jesus alone. And why do we depend on God? Because blessed is He whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. We depend on Him because He sustains every single one of us. You may not know it, but He's sustaining you right now where you are. Because if His will was anything other than you sitting here, believe me, that would have been done too. But you're here because He's sustaining you. And by God's grace, He sustains us this week. We'll be able to gather again next Sunday and, re- and do this all over again together. But He's sustaining you. Point three, the silver lining. And the final point. Good news for the heart that trusts in the Lord. Verses 8 through 10. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Oh, the bondage of sin. I know that just because you came to Christ... I know you struggle with probably with sin all the more. That indwelling sin. The Lord forgave you. The Lord reconciled you to the Father. But you still have that remaining sin in you. And I know that many of us wish that the Lord can just wave a wand and just boom, all those struggles, all those temptations, gone. But He doesn't do that. And then you grow frustrated. You grow discouraged. Here I am. Still limping until when? Dealing with the same sin, the same... I'm, and it's not... Yeah, it might be habitual in a sense. But you are personally taking accountability for it. Finding the people. Hey, can you hold me accountable with this? I'm struggling. But I, I, I'm looking to the cross. Can you remind me in those moments when I'm in the trenches, can I call you so that you pray with me? But there you are still in the trenches, still limping. He sets the prisoners free. He sets the prisoners free. Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
The Spirit of, of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to the broken, right? He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty, liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. There's a reason why we can sing with joy as believers that the chains fell off. The only reason you can sing that the chains fell off is because one broke them. Because there's one that didn't break them for himself when he could have. He took our sin upon himself. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so that's why we can look to him. That's the good news for us. That even though you're sitting here struggling with your sin, wondering, Lord, when will this end? And you look to the cross and you look to Jesus who was impaled on that cross for your sin. And then you remember, not just death, but sin had been defeated. We still have, at that moment, all our hope in Jesus that the Holy Spirit, that those that trust in Him, not just are forgiven of their sins, to never have them counted against you ever again by a holy God. Just think of that for a second. That your greatest sin is at the bottom of, the, of an ocean somewhere. Never to be brought up ever again. But, no, no buts. But I remember them, but He doesn't. He doesn't hold them against you because he sees Jesus in your place. If if there's no comfort, if that is not a comfort to you, I don't know what else can be. That means that if that is not a comfort to you, you have to find your comfort somewhere else. And that's the scary part. Bring your heart to remember all his benefits who did not count against me my iniquities. And the Lord opens the eyes of the blind and lifts up those who are bowed down. The key word there is bowed down. I'm not going to get ahead of you because I know you're going through James. But humble yourselves, James 4. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. But to be exalted requires a brokenness of spirit, a contrite spirit. This is not just coming here because I know... In our generation, in our culture, it's very easy to feel entitled. It's very easy to demand your employer has to give you a raise. Your employer has to give you benefits. I demand this and therefore you have to give it to me. Because the government's there to serve me. And we take that same mentality to the cross. We take that same mentality to the throne. And we think, God... Yeah. Bless me. You have to bless me, right? Look look at how good I've been. Here I am preaching, sacrificing for my family. Surely the Lord is going to go ahead and and bless me, right? I mean, you promise? No. He doesn't owe you anything. He doesn't owe me anything. The only thing you and I deserve is death. And to be eternally separated from Him. If it only by His grace and mercy we have found life. In Christ. 
And that is our hope, beloved. The Lord loves the righteous. But how can He love the righteous? There is none righteous but Him. Because it's in Him. Precisely, that's the point. Our righteousness is in Jesus. Not in your works. Not in your obedience. Not in your Bible reading. Your righteousness is in Christ. Underline that. In Christ. And just like that, he watches over the sojourners and he upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked, he brings to ruin. What a compassionate Lord we worship, huh? Because he cares for his own and he's merciful to everyone. Gracious, common grace. How many times have I lived my life and I look back and I think things that should have happened to me, I should be dead in a coffin somewhere right now, and I'm not. And I didn't know him. I didn't fear him. I didn't revere him the way he ought to be, have been revered and worshipped. And yet here I am, by his grace and mercy. And so are you. Because he sustains and he provides. And the Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. And the psalmist ends right where he begins. Hallelujah. But to get from that beginning hallelujah to that last hallelujah, we had to remind ourselves of a lot of things. Is your worship misplaced? Who is your object of worship? Is your worship temporary? Is it only on Sundays? Or is it every day? 24 7, 365. As long as we live. The psalmist understood that the Messiah is going to come back. And he's going to save his people. He's going to take us. Some he'll call before, but he's coming back. And we understand the Messiah will come back for his people, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. If not, you can read Revelation 19 take time to read that as a family here this evening take time to read it over lunch perhaps and teach your children remind yourselves of the marriage supper of the lamb because that is what we have to look to he will bring us safely home you don't have to be afraid that he's going to lose you you don't have to fret and be anxious that you won't make it. Because if you're in Christ, you will cross the finish line. And you will cross the finish line now into eternity. You will stand before Him. And as we prayed earlier, maybe by the little grace that He gives us, well, not the little grace, the abundant grace that He gives us, we'll be able to offer Him the little that we've been able to obtain here on this island, just render it at His feet. Have that view. Have that view of your Savior that one day, if there's anything, Lord, I will put it down at your feet because you are deserving of all. You're my King, and you will I worship. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you that you 
remind us that you ought to be our object of worship because you're the one that sustains us. And as we heard this Sunday in Sunday school, everything that we do is not because of duty. It is because we are reminded of the greatest commandment of all. To love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Help us to do that, Father, through the Holy Spirit. Strengthen us when we are weak. Remind us when we forget. Lead us to that throne of grace when we wander. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the good shepherd that you are to us, who are so undeserving. Blessed be your name forever, Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.